Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. Bah, bah, bah. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Uh, come along to the Melchester Odyssey. We're in the aftermath, really. Of um, some some big big stuff, Roy of course has uh, nipped down to the station to solve the uh, his own attempted murder. Yeah, uh, and then gone back to the match while it's still on. <laughs> it's weird we haven't got the little the little strap line at the top that gives us a bit of no. a, um, things are moving at too going. much of a fast pace at this yeah. stage. More of the ropes, they haven't got time for any of that. They're straight. <laughs> oh, you just died straight. Just forgotten. Oh, fuck. I've, I've forgotten to do it. Straight fuck. into the pool. Bang. Mm. Straight in. Like when you're on holiday, right? And you see these other fuckers, on the, especially on the first day. Eh, is it cold in the pool? Right? And they go and fucking dip their toes in or they go in on the steps, like very slowly. <laughs> right? Listen, <laughs> when you're on holiday and there's a pool... Just fuck, don't fuck about, don't think, in the jump cunt. straight in the fucking yeah. hole every yeah. day, straight away, don't think, jump. Yeah. Similarly, yeah. if you're on a beach holiday, don't paddle about in the sea, right? Mm-hmm. S- strip off your T-shirt, stand about 50 <laughs> yards back and then give it the old oi oi and just fucking charge into it and then jump head first into the wave. That's what I do in the Isle of Wight every year. Set right. the stall out. Living out loud. And that is how the um, authors of the Rovers have done it here. They just thought, fuck all that dicking around. Yeah. Jump straight, give it the old oi oi, and fucking get straight into the straight story. In. You're right. You're right. That's a to- total guide for life, that. Yeah. That's living out loud mid-large. Yeah. So, yeah, they've, they've just ploughed into this, and so will we. Uh, we've still got the little bit at the beginning that brings us up to speed with what's happening. And it says, television star Elton Blake had been charged with the attempted murder of Roy Race and the other suspects had been released. One of them was Arthur Logan, whose son had signed for Melchester Rovers and Roy persuaded him to return to Mel Park, where the Rovers were involved in an untidy league game against Hunterford. Mm. I mean, you know, Roy's dealt with an attempted murder situation here, but he's still got a Scotsman with a grudge (laughs) on his hands. And no one needs that. Nobody needs that. Uh, come on, Mr. Logan, please come and watch this untidy game with me. <laughs> I think you'll learn a lot. <laughs> and uh, 
So yeah, the, the crowd see them turn up. Um, one of the one of the Lampards says, uh, "It's Roy, with Kenny Logan's father." <laughs> and his mate says, "A man who hates football <laughs> and hates Roy even more for signing his own son." So um, there we go. Um, what's going to happen next? Arthur Logan had hoped his son would dedicate himself to the family estate agency business. <laughs> I mean, this, was, this was the time when this was still the, those those two careers were still on a par almost in terms because, of earning. Yeah, 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 totally. And I think in the eighties, I sort of feel as if like that was the golden age of the estate agent, wasn't it? Well, this is like nineteen eighty two, isn't it? So it was kind of on the on the brink yeah. of the boom. I don't know what it was like in Scotland, but I mean, certainly that, in yuppie, in the yuppie south of England. Yeah. Fucking hell, it was boom time, wasn't it? Yeah, Thatcher was like, soon I want everyone in Britain to be an estate agent. Yeah, with a ponytail. Yeah. 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 And, and no fucking fax. socks on. Just no socks and some suede loafers. That's that, that was her vision was, for Britain. She, she'd sacrificed the mines, she sacrificed the shipyards, she was prepared to sacrifice the sock industry. But... All for the good of the estate agency industry. I don't want to. I'm, I'm low to get right back into the crown after all of the oh. stuff that's been said about it. Feel, feel free, sub. But what I would say is, having <laughs> tested the water, um, just out of interest, just in my in the spirit of being Britain's best journalist and feeling that I need to be abreast of this stuff, I test the water, and as I have documented on previous episodes, it is a, an awful fucking hell show. Um, <laughs> whose biggest crime is to portray a synthetic rendition of history in which the royals play centre stage and, most scandalously of all, are portrayed as having ordinary human emotions. Now, <laughs> uh, the, there is one good thing, because in the 80s one, I've had zero interest in even testing the water until the 80s one come along because I'm a sucker for anything 80s-related, 80s, related, 80s yeah. period. And I saw that Earth from the X-Files was playing Thatcher. So I thought, now this I want to see, right? <laughs> the good thing is it, she plays a, a version of Thatcher that is really, like, insane, like a mad caricature. Really? It's sort of part Thatcher, part Emperor Palpatine, part Mr. <laughs> Burns, right? It's fucking madness, right? But the good thing about it is, is she's got this Thatcher hair, Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I swear to God, Thatcher's hair was never as big. Is it? Is it spitting image Thatcher's hair? It is. But it, what I think is, you know how one of the funniest sketches of all time, Kenny Everett being Rod Stewart and Rod Stewart's ass constantly growing. Yes. And then eventually him taking off because it becomes yeah. like a balloon. Easily in the top three sketches ever made. Um, <laughs> That's basically what's going on with Thatcher's hair <laughs> in the crown. It gets, grow and grow. It, it gets bigger and bigger, and in the end, it's like squishing everyone. The, the set's not big for it, not big enough for it. She's in Downing Street, but no one else can get in the fucking cabinet room because her hair's taking up the whole thing and crushing <laughs> Willie Whitelaw against the fucking wall. <laughs> I'm dying, Prime Minister. Please, Prime Minister, please cease your enough. hair growth. No, never, Willie. <laughs> so you're basically watching all of the crowd now then no I, I, I only watched one episode 
Oh, it was all in um, that one episode you saw, was it? Okay. But Thatcher was in it, and Thatcher's like. hair grew to an enormous extent. So, fuck knows what will happen by the end of the series. But mm-hmm. I like that. Anyway, I can't remember how we got... Oh, yeah, estate agents. It, yeah. Um, yeah, Arthur Logan had hoped that his son would dedicate himself to the family estate agency business. Uh, and there's a stern discussion going on there in the director's box. Reese. I don't know why I let you talk me into coming here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you think the children of Iraq, of Syria, of Iran, have the luxury of attending football matches without the full knowledge that the bloodthirsty forces of America and its assembled allies may not drop bombs on them at any Give him a moment. <laughs> what the fuck are you on about, Mr. Logan? You sound <laughs> like George Galloway. Roy says, you're free to go whenever you like, Mr. Logan. But just remember that your son is down there. <laughs> Powerful stuff. <laughs> all, all, all I ask is that you take a good look at the way he is wasting his life. <laughs> but then as he said that we're looking at Kenny Logan who looks fucking gormless it looks like he is genuinely wasting his life he hasn't got a clue what he's doing there's a pass coming across to him um, is it Paco Diaz it might be who shows Kenny and Logan looks like he's on cloud nine um, and he slides in to receive it his fucking socks are down around his ankles and he goes oomph so he's not having a good day in this, as it was described, untidy game against Hunterford. Um, pathetic! It comes from the crowd. That kid just can't seem to put his game together today. <laughs> Worst possible time for that as well. And then moments later, Kenny missed another chance to put pressure on Hunterford. Um, and he puts a cross in from the right-hand side with, with the outside of his boot, by the looks of it most of them seem to do uh, cross seals right across two Manchester players and two defenders come on Logan that cross missed everybody he's got worse since his father arrived there's another one <laughs> how do they know so much about the of the situation anyway maybe the press have got hold of it I don't know but they seem the, the crowd seem to know everything that's going on with regards to this well, yeah. strange father son relationship yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you can pick out individual faces in the director's box from uh, across the other side of the stadium, but, you know, this is Roy of the Rovers. It's a, it's a different world. So it's not going well for Kenny. Um, and the, <laughs> the next frame's fucking great. Kenny's there on the pitch, and in the corner, in a separate little bubble, is the Stern face of Arthur, Arthur Logan, the granite expression of Arthur Logan staring down at his son. He's almost like willing him to feel with <laughs> fucking uh, psychic energy coming from his fucking big ginger mind. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> the do power you know the of film, Iron Brew. Do you, do you know the film So I Married an Axe Murderer? Um, I've uh, not we, seen we, it. It's Mike Myers is a, fu- a funny film, and Mike Myers plays his uh, plays multiple characters in it, mm. including 
a really aggressive drunken Scot. His own his own main character. He also plays his his own aggressive drunken Scottish father. Right. Who, funny enough, Cosmos uh, does do an, a very memorable rendition of. Uh, Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. Wow. So it's the second time that song's come up in this episode yeah. so far. But Mike Myers has got a little brother as well who has an enormous head of ginger hair, not unlike um, Kenny Logan's hair, right? Very <laughs> similar-looking kid. But the, his own dad bullies him about the size of his giant ginger head. All the way through the film, so he's bu- he's a small child bullied by his own father, who finds yeah. his own son's head and hair hilarious, and he goes, "Look at the size of that thing! It's like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> it's like a planetoid. He'll be cu-. and then the kid runs off crying. He goes, Ah, he'll be crying himself to sleep tonight on his giant pillar." <laughs> and it's a really and I don't know whether Mike Myers because I know he spent time in the UK didn't he? Mm. Um, I don't know whether he read Roy the Rovers, but the dynamic between the dad and the son in Star Married and Axe Murderer is uncannily similar to this, and they even look really similar. You think he's possibly just lifted it from Roy the Rovers? Yeah, probably. Lots of things like that happen. Did, yeah, didn't he Didn't he grow up in Liverpool or something like that? Might, might yeah, I think he spent a lot of time in Liverpool, and he was. He used to be on Whackaday with fucking that's right yeah. with his comedy partner yeah can't remember his name but sort of a like sort of a you know uh, figure in British yeah, comedy yeah I can I can picture the fella's face but I can't remember his name either um, don't worry about telling us it pedants which you mm. normally do when we Doesn't can't matter. remember something. they'll email yeah. us in like two days later and, and say actually you know, mm. if we want to find out who it was we'll just fucking google it so we'll fucking google it if we haven't googled it I had a lot of people getting in touch to tell me that Napkins was dead, and saying, yeah, "Oh, that's, who's going to That's the one that triggered it for me. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I, I sort of knew. But I say, any, well, this isn't a script. I mean, you might not have noticed, but we don't script any of this. So, <laughs> and you might also not have noticed, but I'm the sort of bloke who just fucking literally spews every thought that goes through his head out of his fucking mouth. So. <laughs> If you think about it, it's the sort of thing that you might think to yourself in a quiet moment. It's like, oh, it's Terry Nutkins. Is he dead? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I think he is. So the difference is I fucking said it. Of course, Terry Nutkins is dead. And everyone's like, oh, dear. Who's going to break the news to Sam that Terry Nutkins is long dead? <laughs> fucking i tell you what was worse, though, that I didn't know. Yeah, someone actually fucking sent us intel on the fate of Genesis. Gemini. A Gemini Genesis. <laughs> oh, I'll see, like called Genesis after the band. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, he did. Apparently, he did jump out that window. Yeah, I don't think that's true, though. I still think urban that's an myth. urban myth. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's true because the the, the story goes that uh, Gemini had done this thing and fought, jumped out the Land Rover on the M1 or whatever it was, splattered all over the M1, Ooh. and then Nukens found a similar looking sea lion and filmed some footage of him releasing it into the sea to say goodbye yeah. to Gemini. That is not so, in Nutkin's makeup. It's just nah. not... It's not Nutkin's MO. He's not the kind of guy who would lie, stage shit. Yeah. Show business is full of awful people who lie and contrive things mm-hmm. in order to just very plainly keep themselves in the public eye. Mm. I've... I, I mean, I'll give you two... 
You were the editor of Heat magazine. Yeah, and I used to get calls from celebrities who sometimes were openly suggesting a photo shoot Mm -hmm. in which they themselves were caught in a compromising situation, right? An embarrassing (laughs) conversation on long-lens photography that they, you know, that it it looked embarrassing. But in fact, it was their idea. They would set it up. And they would tell you where and when to be there in order so you could get the photos, publish them in the mag, and everyone's happy. We're happy, of course, because you have compromising photos that will sell the magazine. Why are they yeah. happy? It's embarrassing for them. They're happy because they get publicity. They also sometimes might charge you money for the, taking part in it. And, to, and to, my, to my shame, I would pay them that money. But <laughs> not always. I mean, I had one person suggest... I, well, famously, um, there's some pictures of Alex Reed, uh, boyfriend of for ex-boyfriend, possibly husband of Katie Price. That's right, yeah. Um, MMA fighter. Yeah. And he, I've said this before. There were photos of him, and you know, if his lawyers are listening, then I this, these are allegations. But it was the most contrived thing I've ever seen. Is that it was a photos? He'd been out of the public eye for a while, so he gets itchy and wants to be back in it. And some photos arrived from a pap um, of him strolling through quite a leafy suburb one Sunday morning Mm. and being attacked by two hooded youths Mm. and him expertly using his MMA skills to fight them both off. (laughs) And it was a sequence of photos taken from, (laughs) like, long distance. And you're thinking, first of all, who goes and mugs Alex Reed on a Sunday morning, really early first thing morning? And also... What's a paparazzi doing? Who like how lucky is that paparazzi that he happens to be hanging around in a leafy suburb exactly. on, a on a Sunday morning and encounters yeah. a mugging? But the best one of this, like where you know celebrities try to do things to sort of contrive an image around themselves, is in the aftermath of the tragic killing of Suzanne, uh, no Jill Dando, not yeah. Suzanne Dando. She's Suzanne very much Dando alive, lived, as far as I know. Thank very God. Much alive and well. I'm um, sure the, the 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 listeners will tell us if she's not. Um, you've got rattled up. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a section on the show called "You've Got Muddled Up," and it's just people, and it's just you people. Idiots. People have got in touch to tell us that we've got muddled up on something. <laughs> of course, we've got fucking muddled up. What do you think this is? A science show? We're always Univ- muddled up. The Open University. Fuck off. That's the fucking. The appeal of this is that we're always muddled up. <laughs> But we're authentically muddled up. Now, she did uh, um, a high-profile news presenter, female. Mm-hmm. That's as much detail as I'm going to give, other than to say she is still operational today. Yes, she's I'm still aware op- of this story. She's, she's still operational in the current times. <laughs> um, she there was all this fuss about Jill Dando and in the immediate aftermath people were like oh, maybe it's a serial killer and he's after and he's obsessed with female news, news broadcasters readers, yeah. right blah 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 there's a bit of a fucking thing like that before they got more detail on it and um, this news presenter uh, received in her cubby hole at the television station where she works um, uh Maybe that's package. a clue. Not all new stations have cubby holes. Uh, a package. <laughs> I think they all do. They do, yeah. The package with, uh, and inside was a gun, a loaded gun, right? And Whoa. she was like, oh, oh my God, 
I've been sent a loaded gun. It's a warning. It's a warning. Oh, my God. I'm next on the hit list. Right. I'm going to be that Jill Dando. I need security. So she insisted that her employers got her security round the clock. Yeah. Right. Bodyguard, out, protection outside her home, blah, blah, blah. Big song and dance was made about it. Enormous internal investigation uh, by a private security yeah. firm into who had sent the gun. How can we find out? Big forensic deep dive into mm. the package, the Obviously, gun, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Trace it, right? In the end, the whole thing gets swept under the table. No one ever hears what happened and her life mm. goes back to normal and the security guards stop hanging around. And the reason for that is that after an enormous deep dive into it, the security firm concluded unequivocally that the gun had been sent by the newscaster herself. <laughs> She'd sent a gun to herself in order to presumably elicit attention, both internally within the company and also with the press, because it would almost immediately, at that time she was like not so famous, like yeah. much less famous she is now, it, it would sort of immediately put her on a level with Jill Dando, who was, of yeah. course, a bit of a national treasure at the time of her death. certainly was, yeah. I'm like Jill Dando. I'm going to get killed too. She was the people's news princess, wasn't she, Jill Dando? Jalapeño. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jalapeño. The identity of that newsreader will stay uh, a secret forever, like the contents of the Natalie and Bruglia story. Absolutely right. And they will never be revealed. Mm. So don't even ask us. And and the other television presenter who went to New York after 9-11 and had it off with that fireman. I don't know that one. She was working through it at a news, uh, a news station. And uh, not working through but very junior. And after 9-11, this particular outfit were only sending one or two reporters out to New York. And she was one of them. And people thought, that's weird. Why does she get the nod? That apparently was to do with her uh, intimate relationship with the boss of the station. When she got there, apparently she, she managed to pull off an exclusive with one of the heroes of, of 9-11, who was a firefighter. Um, and he'd been on the cover of Time magazine and portrayed as this all-American hero, family guy with the wife, right. two kids, the picket fence. She pulled off the interview. Everyone thought, this is amazing. She's only a junior cub report. She's gone over and pulled off the interview. Well, people didn't know. She's gone back afterwards to a fucking suite at the hotel and, and fucked his brains out all weekend, right? <laughs> then she's gone back home. And after a few weeks, she's back doing the day job. And someone says, there's a 
guy waiting for you in reception. So she goes, <laughs> and it's the fireman, and she goes, what the fuck are you doing here? And he goes, what do you mean? Everything we said. We love each other. We want to be together. I've left my wife. And she was oh! like, fuck it, I'll mate. That was just pillow talk. Go on. Get straight back to the airport. you got some fucking apologising to do. Wow. And he, he was distraught, the poor cunt. That's the, that's the thanks he got. For going to fuck, for saving people at 9 11, mate. Ruined his life. Yeah. See, so it's his own fault, though. That when I first heard that story, I thought, oh, it's terrible, it reflects bad on her. Now I reflect it, I think, nah, I don't want to come across as a misogynist because, in a way, she's just doing her job. So, what if she had sex with him? The two things weren't related. He mm. was the one cheating, she was single, and he didn't have to leave his wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's completely allowed to do that. So, I don't think it reflects badly on her, but it is just good gossip. But, yeah. um, you know. Well, you tell me the identity of that uh, person at the end of this episode. Oh, it's a good, that anything. one in particular is a great identity. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's the end of this episode of the Melchester Odyssey. <laughs> we'll pick it up again halfway through this one next week. Nah, not really. I'm sure I'll not forget to ask him afterwards. Um, and that also will go into the vault with the Natalie and Bruglia story and the identity of the other newsreader. The, the woman who sent a gun to herself. Ooh, right, so we've got... Um, yeah... Arthur Logan is staring down at his son, who's having a fucking nightmare. Um, it says, that's it, old man Logan's presence has unsettled him. Not for much longer. Arthur oh. looks as if he's had enough. Oh, my dad's here. <laughs> I'm reading Arthur Logan's thoughts by looking at his face from 150 <laughs> feet away. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, already trailing 2-0. Hunterford were making little attempt to entertain the fans. Um, yeah, they've, they've resigned themselves to defeat. It's bodies behind the ball. Um, one of them, <laughs> they've got a keeper and four defenders all in a square in their own penalty box, um, and in a big gap to midfield. Uh, they've just one of the defenders has just punted it out, and it hasn't even reached the halfway line. What a rotten clearance! It hardly reached the halfway line. Get under it, Melchester! That's another one. Get under it. I mean, if they do, we'll just fucking charge at them because there's just nothing there. Um, oof! Says Blackie Grey, who mistimes the header as the clearance reaches him. And the fans, I mean, fucking hell. These cunts are never happy, are they? It's even getting to Blackie now. That mistimed header has gone straight to young Logan. And then the other one says, watch him make a mess of it. <laughs> Their support would be good. You know, this is the day when fucking Royce come back, uh, bagged a couple of goals, they sold the murder. They're like, they're like Arsenal. We've said it before, but they're like Arsenal fans, aren't they? <laughs> That's the closest yeah. get they've got. In that they're, they're all a bit sort of... Yeah, they're just like wank. They're like They're all a bit head boyish. They've mm. all got too much to fucking say and they're constantly yeah. moaning. I mean, you're in the second division, for fuck's sake. You've got no right to fucking yeah. see anything. Um, but then, it was then that the young Scott glanced up sharply and he just, he hits it. He just hits it first time. So obviously these fucking cunts in the crowd, who know nothing, let's mm. see what they've got to say about this. Gah! What's that supposed to be? <laughs> foreman at the mouth at this point a wild lofted pass aimed at no one in particular but that's that's one of the more that's the one of the more 
um, authentic bits of fan dialogue because that saying "guah" is more like yeah, sort of, I sort of when I'm watching football, I I tend to make noises more <laughs> than say things. Do you know, when you're yeah. watching your own team, yeah. you just make weird noises that you don't make at other times during the week, do you? Yeah, I, I mean, with me, I just go wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Like that. Noises of pain, yeah. Noises of pain mainly, yeah. noises. Yeah, <gasps> and then, until we score, and then it, then you just shout, Cut! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but you very often just find yourself shouting the word cunt at your television. I don't know what I'd shout anymore. I mean, I've been watching Sunderland all this season online, and mm. it's been so fucking bad, I've just almost given up. Mm. But I've given up on football as a whole. I've said this before. Mm. I fucking hate football. This, I mean, we're recording this <laughs> a week before it comes out. All the shit that we've had this weekend about fucking Millwall fans yeah. doing the knee and then the, the, the comeback of that. Um, football is a horrible, horrible fucking thing as a concept. Mm. It's mm. massively racist. Mm. It's massively homophobic. Yeah. It's It's riddled with dirty money. Yeah. If it was any other kind of organisation that didn't have such a pull on our heartstrings, people would just fucking turn their backs on it. I mean, because it's horrendous. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, it's interesting. Yeah, I think there's a good point because also you go in the past, you might have said, yes, there are bad elements, but isn't it a fantastic form of community, right? Yeah. It brings people together. And actually, the attendance of games, which is what it used to all be about. And and you and I, we're we're proper fans. We've been going our whole fucking lives. Not like these kids you get nowadays sitting watching it on YouTube, right? But the actual thing of going to a game and taking your kids, which both you and I do, mm. you kind of think, I don't actually know if that kind of community ideal exists either. Because for a start, football is prohibitively expensive to the average mm-hmm. person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's wild how expensive it is. And this is only something that's really come home to me in recent couple of years because I used to always have a season ticket. I used to, and you just got used to the expense of mm-hmm. a season ticket. You've had one for years. I never had the top one. I never had the cheapest one. I had like a middle yeah. one. It was kind of fine. But then I became a member rather than a season ticket holder last year because I realised that I mean, it was, there was various things, it, it, reasons why I did it, but it was mm-hmm. the first time I'd done it in 30 years. And yeah. I thought, if I'm not going to make it to every game because of various other commitments, it might work out cheaper to be a to be a, a member and just right, buy. Yeah. You're guaranteed a ticket as long as you go buy it on the right day. Yeah. And I started buying two tickets, but in the end, I did go to most games, and I was buying two tickets for every game for me and what my kids would alternate. Yeah. And it was fucking outrageous. I was up in the yeah. gods at yeah. the London Stadium. For Category A games, you're paying about 70 quid each. That's ridiculous. Because they don't, for Category A, they don't do a reduction in price. And I, I don't understand what the logic of that is either. They go, yeah, you get it cheaper if you're a kid. Great. Unless it's a good game, then you've got to pay full whack whether you're a kid or not. What, well, what, what, what what's what's a good game? Surely a good game is when you beat the opposition convincingly. Well, yeah, but what they're saying is a game that everyone wants to see. The game that your kids, yeah, exactly. when, when, You know, Len's young, so a, a, a lot of the time Len is going to want to see us play either a London derby, yeah, or a, a, one of the bigger sides from outside of London, yeah. like Manchester United or Liverpool, right? So those, you're paying more to almost games, certainly get beat. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're paying more all of those Liverpool. all of those games seventy quid. <clears throat> uh, other games fifty quid. Travel. It's no fucking fun going to London Stadium even, mate. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, and it's. I think that's true for a lot of people at a lot of stadiums nowadays. These modern stadiums. It's not. You don't. You know. Lena's never had the experience of getting off the fucking tube at Upton Park, walking down mm. Green Street and soaking up that sort of old-fashioned match day experience where you see the characters, yeah. you smell the smells. This is a soulless hellscape. Sterile hellscape. It is a soulless hellscape. You get off a space-age tube station on the new <laughs> Jubilee line, which is all metal and glass, right? And you walk across these huge, never-ending concrete concourses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like a magnet pull of your money. Yeah, and then you get there and everything costs loads of fucking money. Yeah. And, yeah, so then you think it hasn't even got that. There's no, there's nothing about a community when mm. a club becomes just about milking as much as it can out of you. Yeah. There is nothing about the old idea of, yeah, clubs make money, it's a business, but it is also something more than that. Mm. Is it something more than that? Mm. Are most football clubs, especially Premier League football clubs, are they really anything other than money-making machines, no. businesses? I mean, the, the, I mean, Sunderland were really lucky in in terms of the season ticket. I've had was three hundred and fifty quid, and has been for nearly ten years. Uh, so mm. when we were in the Premier League, fucking hell, that's really affordable. That's about fourteen yeah. quid a game. Yeah. So we're, we're freakish almost in terms yeah. of that. Um, but fucking, but the whole the whole thing, the fact you know, there's no black managers, or there's two or three, yeah. and we've had black players for forty years. Yeah, it's that a makes racist no endeavour. Yeah, there's no gay players. There's gay people in all of the sports now. Mm. You know, it's this horrible. It's almost like Emperor Palpatine. It's almost like the fucking Empire. Mm. Yeah, it's this just disgusting. Yeah, fucking... and it's also the sort of thing that I am cynical towards sports like golf or tennis, right? Yeah, but actually. They probably have a lot better records on this sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know because I don't know enough about golf, those probably sports. Probably not but, so much. But, but I, yeah. I think of fucking golf as this snobby sport, right? Mm. And um, for kind of Tories and elitists, that's you know my my sort of superficial characterization well, of golf. Like, to be fair, I think right, you're right there. But f- football, what I mean, football's worse. And and if you're not a football fan, if you're a fan of I mean, I've got no time for rugby. Rugby fans are fucking. I mean, let's be honest, they're fucking annoying. That that's it. It's just yeah. annoying. Rugby fans are annoying and a bit basic, right? <laughs> like you'll never meet a. It is something about rugby fans. You'll never meet a rugby fan who's got good taste in music. They right. don't exist. Yeah, they, they just don't exist. Imagine what well, Carl in CD you, collection. That's probably why. That's probably why U2 played in Stadium a few years ago. Of course, synergy. Actually, I did go to a gig. I went to see um, REM at Twickenham Stadium. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, yeah, it was quite good. Actually, it's a shit venue, but they're good. But anyway, the if yeah, let me ask you this, Andy. What would you say if you went round to Will Carlin's flat, or say you were Lady Di and you were having an affair with Will Carlin? Now, yeah. Lady Di did actually have quite good music taste because she liked Wham, didn't she, for she instance? Did, yeah. Right. And she's gone round to Will Carlin's for an illicit bunk up when they're yeah. having it off, right? Yeah. And she's gone, uh, and he goes, come in, right? And she goes, mm. oh, can I put some music on? And he goes, sure. While we're having it off. <laughs> sure, baby. 
just go over to my hi-fi system, uh, my Japanese <laughs> hi-fi system over there, and my CD collection is next to it. Pick out whatever you want. <laughs> what do you think? First of all, it would have been a tiny CD collection. That yeah. much is sure. What do you think he would have had in it? Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Yeah. Boring cunt. <laughs> <laughs> fucking exactly. Best fucking album ever. <laughs> no arguments. <laughs> And then he would have had a couple of best of. He would have definitely had the best of Queen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and who knows what else? But you know, rugby fans don't. Michael Bolton, but still a bit of Michael Bolton fan. But me and Len met Michael Bolton once. I took oh, Len yeah. into work because it was half term at, right. when I was working at Talk Radio, and we had a pre-record. He wasn't going to stay for the show, but he had to come in the morning. I had to do a like show meeting, and then it was going off and coming back. And they said, you don't, you've got a pre-record, remember? Who with? Michael Bolton. Michael fucking Bolton. So yeah. Len's about, I don't know, like six. And I've gone, fucking hell, mate. Michael Bolton, you're going to meet Michael Bolton now. And they, I've got these great photos of Len <laughs> and me and Michael Bolton all posing together in the studio. <laughs> and Michael Bolton looks quite happy. I look delighted. And Len's just looking like, what the what fuck is, is this? Who the it's, fuck is this bloke? This is <laughs> absolute fucking weirdo. Did Bolton still have the mane at that point? I already shed no, the mane. No, no, no. Because it went yeah, quite soon after, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it it um, it shaped up a bit. He'd actually done a very funny Netflix special, which is well worth watching. Right. Where yeah. it was a comedy one with that guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, whose name I can't remember. Oh, right, OK. Who's very funny. And Andy he, Sandberg. Andy Sandberg did a Ow, special. Sam, Sam got muddled up there. He couldn't remember the name. I'll send him an email and tell him I'll it's tell Andy him. Sandberg. I'll tell him quickly. Maybe the email will arrive now. And while he's still on air, mate, whenever you're reading to it, whenever you're listening to this, we recorded it a month ago, you prick. Read your month old uh, podcast. Vis a vis your muddle up. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Bolton. <sighs> but what I was going to say was, rugby fans really actually hate football, a lot of them, yeah. right? Yeah. And as much as I don't have time for most rugby fans because of their taste in music, terrible clothes, etc., right? <laughs> they, I can sort of see their perspective on football. When you look at the way yeah. rugby is, which is yeah. sort of professional, but if you see the way that they, you know, that it does bring... I mean, in my area, there's a lot of rugby union. I hate it, but... There's more of a spirit about it. I mean, it's a community. It's not a fucking community I want to be part of. It's a community <laughs> full of Tories and Lampards, right? But nevertheless, it is a community. And they look at football and I think, yeah, they, you know, sometimes you can just think, yeah, no wonder they think that it's mm-hmm. just horrible because it kind of is. It's cynical it is. and horrible. And it it's is. got nothing to do with, like, kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with kids or, or ordinary people anymore, does it? Yeah, it is. It's shite. Um, we'll leave it there. We'll find out what happens with Kenny Logan's speculative thing um, yeah. that he's hit towards the goal, which the fans may or may, may not have called correctly. Uh, we'll do that in the next episode because, you know, we've got forever, Sam. We've got forever. Yeah. Well, not ever. I mean, life could end for either of us at any moment. I mean, I've, as you know, I've been eating a lot of cheese recently, so I'm yeah. a bit worried about yeah. the old heart. I could exactly. clog up with cheddar at any point and go, bang! Yeah, I mean, I, I, I regularly think this this uh, top flight time machine thing we can do this for years. But then, if one of us succumbs one of us to a, a, a brain easily. injury, for example, 
Not going to be the same, is it? I don't know. I think it could get better if one of us gets a bang on the head. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, because I'll go out running in Richmond Park, I was thinking I could. You know, I'm in my 40s. It's You hear about it a lot. Some 40-year-old bloke who seems to be in good health, he's running, bang, dead, yeah. right? Yeah. Drop dead, have a heart attack in um, Richmond Park, middle of nowhere, because I run in very, the very wild parts. Oh, you do wild running, do you? Do wild like wild swimming. Yeah, so like you can't... Oh, no, I'll... I don't swim in the swimming pool. I do wild swimming. The I river. swim in sewage. And, yes, I uh, swim in all the germs. But I was thinking, if I get, if I'm running through the woodland bit and I keel over, have a heart attack, but I don't quite mm. die, I'm just incapacitated. Yeah. One of them fucking deers, you know, it's full of deers and stags. Yeah. I told you about Fenton. them before. Yeah, they'll they'll come over. They'll come over and fucking eat me. Eat your eyeballs. My yeah. corpse eaten by a stag. Well, what a way, way to go. go. Doesn't sound that bad, I'm, actually. That's what happened to Terry Nutkins, I think. <laughs> but he arranged it that way. He, 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 Nutkins knew he was going to die. He'd been given a diagnosis, so he decided he wanted to feed himself to um, a stag. Nutkins arranged <laughs> for the paparazzi to photograph it, then sold it to heat. You, you can go up to Scotland, and there's a Terry Nutkins euthanasia clinic <laughs> where it can be arranged for you to be euthanized in sort of in in like oh, in the in the I... bosom bosom of nature. Oh, one of the things I love most is the fact that in our lifetime, euthanasia will probably be normalised. Yeah, I was listening to a, I was listening to a podcast about that the other day. We won't have to rot away in some fucking miserable care home somewhere. But just remember, mate, Switch what I said to you off. recently was how the doctor said, my doctor friend told me mm. that once you're past 40, it's That's actually it. unnatural to be alive. Mm. Yeah. So watch, careful what you wish for, because you and I should by rights be dead already. And we once should, the euthanasia yeah. laws become liberalised, right, our, I'm, I mean, someone close to us, and I would put money on it being, in both our cases, our daughters, <laughs> will have us Look fucking, yeah. will have us killed like that. Bang! <laughs> yeah. Either of our daughters, if they read in the paper, whoa, hang on, what's this? This is interesting. <laughs> Apparently it says here that if you can verify... <laughs> That one of your parents is not of sound mind, right? You can sign the papers to have them eaten by a stag up in Scotland so and film it. It won't be in the papers. that will be on TikTok where we don't see it. Yeah, that's where they get their fucking info from. That's yeah. what fuels their hatred of us. Because yeah. whenever my daughter is hating on me, i.e. every day, it's always like we'll start having a debate about something where she's claiming that I'm some sort of terrible, unreconstructed cunt, right? Yeah. And um, it's always from something she's seen on TikTok. Exactly, yeah. So what I'm saying is, Andy, there's some cunt on TikTok slagging us off. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> yeah. Quite right. <clears throat> okay, that's it from this one. We'll be back. I'm now about to find out the identity of that um, news lady mm. uh, as soon as I've pressed the stop button on the episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.